Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. I want to talk to you today about how to live in the land of God's promise. How to live in the land of God's promise. And we're going to dive straight into a story in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, 14. A little bit of context. In the book of Numbers, it's a story of the years after the Exodus, when God has led his people out of Egypt. And you remember, they were enslaved, they were abused, they were imprisoned, and then there was like the parting of the sea, they got out of Egypt, they made the musical, they made the film, and they were in the desert. And uh, they're in this moment when, when their destiny is about to radically change. And then why does God lead the people out of Egypt? Well, simply because he loves them, but not only that, he also has a land in which he wants them to dwell. I wonder what your journey to today has been like. Maybe you've had an Egypt that God has rescued you from. Maybe you felt captive in your soul. Maybe you've experienced his love in your life. And you're on your way. And yet life can feel hard. That promised land can sometimes feel quite far away. I mean, it goes like this, you know, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to grow in my faith. I want to heal. I want to hope. I want to love. And yet I find myself stuck in this habit or in this mindset. You know, I want to step into God's promise for my life, but I keep kind of hitting against this wall. I, I can't seem to get there. And so I find myself going round and round in circles in this kind of spiritual desert. And that's the moment we find ourselves in, in this story of the people of God in the book of Numbers. Behind them is their old way of life in Egypt. In front of them is a brave new world. And they stand in this moment of decision that will define their destiny. I wonder today if we might be standing in one of these moments of decision that will define our destiny. And the question is, how do we respond? How do we move forward? What kind of world do we want to build now? I mean, 2021 is behind us, thank God. What kind of fun are we gonna have in 2022? What kind of people are we gonna be? What kind of churches are we gonna build? What kind of impact do you want your life to have? I wanna pick up the story in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and verses, um, well, chapter 13, verses um, 17 and 18. Now, let me give you some uh, understanding. God has called Moses and said to them, send some people into the land that I'm gonna give you. In other words, send like a scouting party out into the promised land. Verse 17 and 18 says this, and the words will appear on the screen. When Moses sent to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people are weak or strong, few or many. And then verse 20, and by the way, do your best to bring back some fruit of the land. It says like the grapes were in, har in harvest. So like Moses was like, if you're on, your, it's like when you, on the way to Hackney Central, if you pass M&S, could you get in, pop in and get some like some grapes in the fresh fruit, like the majorly hip fresh fruit and veg section? Just grapes, bring them back the grapes. So this group go off and for 40 days, they explore the promised land. And they come back and in verse 27, they give this account of what happened. It says this, we went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. 
But the people who live there are powerful and their cities are fortified and very large. Basically, they're like, Moses, we've seen there's this promised land and it's full of blessing, but you should see the obstacles. You should see the problems. It's impossible. <laughs> I wonder what obstacles you face today. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's, it's like GCSEs or A-levels or mocks. Maybe it's some, a, a change at your career. Maybe your, your finances aren't where you want them to be. Maybe your work is changing. Maybe your family experiencing ill health. Maybe there's, there's challenges on your accommodation. I don't know what your obstacles are in 2022, but God does. But Caleb in this story sees things not from his perspective, but from God's perspective with eyes of faith. And in verse 30, he says this. Listen to this. We should go up. We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the others are freaking out. Verse 31 and 33, they say this, we can't. The others are like, the land we explored devours those living in it. They changed their story. They're like, the people we saw were of great size. We seem, listen to this, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That's an inferiority complex. <laughs> and we looked the same to them. Well, I bet you did. They're totally freaking out. God's asking to do this thing, to step up and stretch out in faith. But they say, no, we can't do it. It's impossible. I wonder if you can ever relate to that. I know I certainly can in my life. God, I know you're calling us this vision to bring hope, to see life and love brought to East London. Uh, but we can't do it. I, I can't see the fruit in my life. I can see the fruit in his life or her life, but I can't see breakthrough coming in my life. I can't do it. I've not got the stature or, or the resources to make a difference. I'm just like, you know, I'm like a grasshopper. When I was a kid, we used to spend the summers with my grandmother, who was French, and where she lived in France, there were grasshoppers. And this was kids the days before we had screens. I was an only child. So imagine like 13 hours of your waking day with no screens and no other kids. My only friends were grasshoppers. <laughs> I spent the days chasing grasshoppers around the fields near where my grandmother lived. And the thing about a grasshopper is this, they are really hard to get close to. As soon as you get close to them and you reach out a hand to them, as soon as you get into their comfort zone, what happens? They like jump out the way. They ping out the way. And so you chase them a bit more and you're like, ah, and you try and catch them and they go. Because the thing about a grasshopper is they leap meters away to avoid commitment that's not on their own terms. You know, sometimes I feel like that. You know, as soon as God reaches out his hand into my life, into my time, my energy, my finances, anything like that, I'm like, whoa, leap out the way. You know, I'm happy to be in the room on a Sunday as long as nobody asks me to do anything. <laughs> you know, you know I, I, please, I, I love coming to Saint. I love coming, my kids love it, we have a great time as a family, but please don't ask me to give. I wanna keep it at arm's length. And the people in this story, they take this grasshopper mentality to the next level. Verses, uh, chapter 14, verse one, they say this, all night, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. The Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the whole assembly, and said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. And then verse three, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? I mean, can you imagine? I wonder if you've ever felt like turning back. 
I mean, would anybody notice if I quietly slip back into that habit? That's so destructive, but it's in Egypt, it's safe, I know it. Or, you know, I'm lonely. No one gets me, I'm not appreciated. I don't have a role to play. You know, I filled, I filled in a card. <laughs> no one got back to me. See, sometimes it's easier to go back to the devil you know than step into the destiny that you don't. And Caleb and Joshua make this decision this moment, a decision that will define their destiny, but not just their destiny, the destiny of generations to come after them. Verse 6 of chapter 14, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jehoneth, who were among those who had explored the land, they tear their clothes and they say to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land because we'll devour them. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. They're like, come on, we can do it. We're not grasshoppers. We are more than conquerors through Christ our Lord. We can do it. God's on the move. Let's go. But of course, they're surrounded by people who don't get it. And the opposition comes pretty quick. Verse 10, you'll see the whole assembly talked about stoning them. And that's a bad day at the office, isn't it? Hey, I think it's going to be okay. I think we can make it. I think we can do it. Let's kill them quickly before they stop us, you know. And then look what happens next. Numbers 14, verse 10. It says, the glory of the Lord appeared. The glory of the Lord appeared. No sooner had they lifted their hands to stone them that God walks into the situation. Does that remind you of a story of Jesus? When a woman was caught in sin and his compassion, his grace and his mercy come and the stones are falling to the ground from their hands because the glory of the grace and kindness and destiny of God appears in your life. And then the point is this. When you step up, God shows up. When you step in, God will step in. God will break into your life. The glory of the Lord appears. And then God speaks and says this in verse 20. Now listen really carefully. Speaking of the ones who rebelled, he said, I've forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, surely as I live and surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who's treated me with contempt will ever see it. I want you to understand this sobering truth that you can be forgiven and go to heaven but never fulfill your potential here on earth. That's the reality. But there's another way to live. And listen to what God says in verse 24. He says, but because my servant has a different spirit and follows me, what? 
wholeheartedly. Everyone say that with me, wholeheartedly. How does Caleb follow him? Wholeheartedly. Say it a little bit louder. Don't say it like you're like boiling the kettle. Do it when the kettle has been poured. Wholeheartedly. Caleb's like, ah, we can't do it. We can't, no, we can do it wholeheartedly. And he throws himself in. Because Caleb follows God wholeheartedly and he has a different spirit to the people around him, what does God say to him? I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Generation after generation. If you wanna leave a legacy with your life, if you wanna make a difference to not just your generation but the generations who come to you, How do we live in the land of God's promise right now so that it might have an impact on the world to come? The answer is, say it with me, to live wholeheartedly in the promises of God. Here's the dictionary definition of wholehearted. Look at the screens with me. It says this, to be completely and sincerely devoted, determined or enthusiastic, marked by complete earnest commitment, free from all reserve and hesitation. What does that look like? for you and me today? What does it look like for us as a church? Well, simply put, it's doing three things that every one of us can do. All these three things that are a mark of what it is to be wholehearted. People say to me sometimes, you know, we love coming along, we love watching online, we've started coming to church, it's amazing. Yeah, how can we get involved? Is there like a, a course we can go on? And yeah, there's Alpha. If you've never done Alpha, we'd love to invite you on Alpha. Sometimes people say, is there like a membership thing, like you can like sign up? And we say, well, look, it's real simple. If you want to be a member of Saint, you know, there's three things you need to do. All these three things are the mark of membership. First is to come, to turn up to be in the room where it happens. We've spent the last two years ducking in and out of lockdown and I know it's been so weird, but we're not staying in this kind of wilderness we've been in. We're moving forward, we're taking ground week by week, Sunday by Sunday, we're gonna see an amazing journey happen in the year ahead. And you have a part to play in that because something happens when you are in the room. Jesus says this in Matthew 18 verse 20, where two or three are gathering in my name, there I am with them. Just think about that for a moment. Jesus cares when you're in the room. He makes a point of pointing out that when two or three, that's not a big number, he notices when you're here. When two or three of you gather in my name, there am I with you. So let me encourage you to come every Sunday. Be in the room every Sunday. Be the first through the door. Push your way to the front. Don't wait till the back row is free. Come and and lean in. You'll, you know, you'll make such an impact with your life. You know, I I feel like in my life there are are two modes I can operate in. One is like a a thermostat kind of Christianity. And one is like a, a, a thermometer kind of Christianity. A thermometer kind of Christianity, you know the thermometer you sometimes see like outside your, a, a house in the garden like with the, the temperature going up and down? Uh, a thermometer Christianity is like this. It, it, it rises and it falls. Its spiritual temperature rises and falls depending on the temperature of the room. So you walk in the room and you're like, oh, I haven't got anything to give here. I feel like I'm just gonna sink to the bottom. It's gonna be spiritually cold. And maybe if it warms up and they've got like confetti cannons, you're like, okay, I can move up a little bit, but I'm not gonna get too excited because I'm a thermometer kind of Christian. But the alternative to that, and this is what I wanna be, is a thermostat Christian. 
thermostat questions like this, regardless of the temperature of the room, we are setting our spiritual life to fire and we're gonna light up the room around us. We're gonna go for it, regardless if we're the only person in the room who's singing and worshiping or dancing or our hands in the air. If we're like the most embarrassing person, we are gonna be thermostat Christians, not thermometer Christians. Because when we do this, what happens is you turn the thermostat on is gradually the whole room comes alight, right? Is that right? You can clap, it's okay. The point is, you and I are not destined to be lukewarm. We're destined to be on fire with the fire of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you're a member of a gym. (laughs) I joined a gym once, and um, only once, and uh, I joined it because it had a free DVD collection. Right, I mean, this is in the days before like online. So you'd basically go there and it had a library where if you joined the gym, you paid a monthly subscription and you could go and borrow a DVD after you'd done your workout. Except I figured out pretty quickly, you could just go and borrow the DVDs and not do the workout. So I used to go really regularly but never pass the DVD section. I'd just go and borrow a DVD and then go home. Uh, and I used it like once a month. And to be honest with you, it made no impact in my life. I was like, this gym does not work. You know, I went into the room with the machines and um, I, I tried running on the machine, the one that, where you run on it, you know that one? And there's a bike one where you, you sit on the bike and there's a guy that shouts at you. And then I went in the one where there's like a, a, a really confusing one. It can't make its mind if it's like skiing or, or pump, you know, it's like treadmill, like it's, it's weird. Anyway, I went there once and I was like, I'm not going back to that room. That was an uncomfortable experience. After about six months, I was like, I am paying this money for this gym, but I, it's making no impact on my life. And my friend who's like a gym guy pointed out saying, you have to go a little bit more regularly. If you want to grow physically, you have to go regularly to the gym. The same is true of your spiritual life. If you want to grow spiritually, you've got to go regularly. You've got to make a commitment. Let me challenge you with this. Try and be in the room every Sunday that you can for six months. Cancel all completing plans. And come and tell me at the end of those six months what God is doing in your life. Whether you feel like you're moving into a land of blessing, whether you feel like you're slipping back to Egypt. Because I suspect that God will do something extraordinary in your ordinary obedience by you choosing to come. I have some friends uh, who, who are here today and they, um, they made the decision after the lockdown to do exactly this. They actually, it was, this is their idea. They said, Look, we felt so in the wilderness spiritually that we are gonna make it a habit, like a commitment, come hell or high water, come rain or snow, come sunshine, heat wave, or like blizzard. We are gonna make it to church every Sunday with our whole family. And over the last year, I've watched them grow spiritually. I've watched their kids grow spiritually. And I gotta say, looking at that family, it has transformed their lives. That's the story of just one family. I wonder what God might wanna do in your family in the year ahead, in your life in the year ahead. So the first thing is to come. The second way to be wholehearted is to help, to help. Jesus says this, son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Find a, a crew, find a, 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 like a, a crew, what we call our volunteer teams. Find a crew where you can help others. 
you know, there's a join-in card in your pack as well. When we fill the giving card in, you can also fill one of these cards in and put it in the hamper at the front in a moment. Worship, youth, kids, hey baby, the garden project. Maybe it's helping with Lighthouse. I was at Lighthouse uh, at our Hackney location on Wednesday and I was chatting to two of the crew. One of them is here this morning. And they are amazing. All the way through lockdown, these guys have turned up and they've given up uh, their time to serve the food each Wednesday at lunchtime without fail at Lighthouse. One of them is an amazing incredible musician. The other is a hugely talented actor. But what I love is they find significance in service. They're like happy to help others. In fact, it's such a good vibe. I was like, this is amazing. I'd want to come and have lunch here every week. It's incredible seeing the atmosphere of that place. Martin Luther King said this, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. In a little while, we're going to be throwing a party. We've got some food arriving at the back. Do we have any Ghanaians here this morning? Ooh, they're cooking. I think they're cooking. Do we have any Nigerians here this morning? Oh, it was the other way around last week. So Nigeria have majorly stepped up their game today. But we are having a jollof off. You are all invited. National dishes, both countries, both claim the unique recipe. And we are going to decide once and for all which one, well, probably both are going to be right, right? So at the back, in a moment, we'll have a feast. You get to go and try out some amazing food. And not only that, but around the sides, there are stands you can go visit. You can find out more about the garden, about groups, about youth, about lighthouse, all the different crews that you can get involved in. And if you're online as well, there are loads of ways you can connect and Frida and Zoe will tell you more about that in a moment. So that's the, uh, the second thing, to find a way of helping. Maybe it's, it's helping on production. Uh, we have an amazing production crew. Uh, last, well, a couple of weeks ago, I was walking down the back and I saw the cameras at the back of church, which we used to, to broadcast this to, to those watching online. And uh, they were empty. And so I went up to the person running the production team and I said, hey, what's with the empty cameras? Like half expect them to be like high tech, like robot controls. But he was like, there's just no one showed up. We, we don't have anybody to run the cameras. And I was like, how do they work? And they were like, you stand there, you point them, there's a thing you move, and it's really easy. And actually it looks so fun. I was like, could I have a go? He was like, absolutely not. You're meant to be preaching. It's not going to work if you're on the stage and at the back at the same time. But the point was this, it looks so fun. I would willingly come in a couple of times a month and help point a camera because it's so easy. You can have a go. You can make a difference. That's the second thing. The third way we can do wholehearted church is to give, to give. Four times in the Gospels, Jesus says, when you give, when you give, when you give, when you give, when you give. Not once in the whole of the Gospels does Jesus say, if you give. Because to Jesus, it wasn't like a kind of negotiable thing. It was expected that if you followed him, part of your, your devotion, your worship, would be to give. Josh has already brilliantly explained that we're taking an offering today. And I'm so excited about this. A chance for us to worship and celebrate together. And our target, as you know, as a church this year is that £300,000 gap. Now that seem, may seem to you like a huge number. But we serve a huge God with a huge heart for the people of East London. Maybe you're here today and you've never started giving regularly. Maybe you were watching this online and you've dipped in and out of church for a while. Can I encourage you today to start giving? If just a hundred of us 
started giving for the first time today, we'd be well on our way to doing what we believe God is calling us to do. Feeding the hungry, building a church, serving young people, empowering our leaders. Maybe you, you already give regularly. Can I encourage you today to not decrease your gift? We don't have a box on this for like, I want to decrease my gift in response to Whole Heart Sunday. But the truth is, if you give regularly at the moment, by doing nothing today, carrying on giving the same amount, what's actually happening is you're actually decreasing your gift. Think about it. Well, inflation in December was 5.7%. So in other words, a gift that you gave currently regularly, you're simply going to find that you're going to be decreasing that gift. It's a bit like ringing up your boss and saying, hey, listen, I wanted to let you know that we've taken the decision to give you a 5% pay cut this year. I mean, that wouldn't go down well. In the same way, we don't want to go to God and say, well, hey, you know, we want to give you a little pay cut this year, God. No, we want to be generous. That's why if those who give regularly stretch their giving, and Liv and I are in this category too, by just by 10% this year, above inflation, and we went for it, we'd find that we'd be well on our way to meeting our needs. And Liv and I had this conversation in our kitchen last night. We're like, well, there's loads of, we've had loads of bills this month. It's like, there's that time of year and Christmas was yesterday and there's all this like pressure. But actually, this is a moment where we don't want to be inflated out of the game and decrease our giving. We want to stretch our giving. So it might be you just simply put, I want to increase my gift by 10%. And that'll have a huge impact. Again, if everyone who gave regularly increased their giving by 10%, we'd be well on our way to meeting our target. And then... The third way that you can respond financially is say, well, I, I want to give a one-off gift. This is a special Sunday. It's whole heart Sunday. I want to go all in, and I want to invest in the kingdom. And it doesn't matter if you want to give three pounds or 300,000 pounds. Give what God has called you to give in your heart. I remember uh, a few years ago, when we were trying to restore St. John of Hackney. We had a crisis because there was a huge hole in our finances, in fact, there was a huge hole in the roof when we were trying to rebuild the church, and that meant there was a huge hole in our finances. So I shared this with our congregation one Sunday, and we took up an extraordinary offering like we're going to do in a moment. And people gave extraordinary gifts by faith. I remember one person wrote on their gift card that they wanted to give a gift of £10,000, and they wrote, I'm believing for a revival among the teenagers in Hackney. And that was in the old days when we were in Homerton, our Homerton location. And then not long after that, we, we started investing in the youth work and we built the huts. Do you remember the huts at the side of uh, St. Luke's? And the day we opened these little sheds, it's basically like a garden shed to be able to do youth work. The day we opened the sheds, the guy who's running youth came to me and said, there's a problem. It's already full. <laughs> and I stood up in front of church and said, hey, it's amazing what we're seeing happen with our teenagers. And I said as a joke at the front of church, we better be careful because they've already filled the huts. They might take over the whole church one day. And everyone la laughed right nervously. Do you know what happens now on a Sunday morning at St. Luke's? Youth have taken over the whole church building. I know. It's literally full of teenagers. I tried to go in there the other day. We're like, yeah, yeah, you're not coming in. You're far too old. 
full of 50 teenagers in a Sunday morning having an amazing time. Samuel, our youth leader, took a bunch of teenagers laser questing last night. I remember we did this trip a few, a few years ago. Like we went off and did an activity and it was like really hard work to get anyone to come. It was like six people came and it was like this awkward trip. I think we went to like the, the, the zoo and the zoo was closed and they came back and it was like, oh no. Last night, I got this message from Samuel, slightly panicking. He was like, Dude, look, and he was on an overground train. You know the overground train? The whole carriage, as far as you could see, was youth. He was like, I've got 50 teenagers with me. So we're, uh, people are messaging saying, can you give us a ticket to come to laser tag? There's like a black market touting going on for tickets for youth. What's going on? All of that is a result of faith. Somebody filled in one of these cards and said, I want to give a 10 grand gift to help kickstart this youth. And now dozens and dozens and dozens of destinies are being changed. I believe we're going to see a time when Hackney and Shoreditch and Leighton and West Ham and East London are famous for the caliber of our young people exploding full of hope and life and innovation and joy because the church championed them. That's the promised land. Imagine what could happen when we come, when we help, when we give, lives restored. 99% of the people outside these doors have yet to hear about Jesus. The church is revitalized. You know, we're probably a church today of 1,000 people across all our services. But imagine if we were a church of 10,000 people. Imagine if they were trying to get a ticket to get in because of what God was doing here. You know, I believe that's not a joke. I want to prophesy that over us in faith to say we need churches that can impact neighborhoods and cities because Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Amen. And there's something about the culture being renewed, your work life being transformed, your creativity being released, the gifts God has given you, having an impact, not just on your life, but on the generations that follow you, to experience what an inheritance of hope. And you know, guys, there's something about the attitude of Caleb that I sense in my bones is like a calling on every one of us in this building today and every one of us watching online. We haven't come this far to only go this far. We want to step up today wholeheartedly by faith. Everyone coming, everyone helping, everyone giving. And I believe when we do that, we'll start to live in this land of God's promise where people get healed, where, where, where captives are set free from the Egypt they knew and live in in a land of God's faithfulness and goodness, where young people have a future that is full of hope and life, where the elderly are not abandoned but are honored in Jesus' name, where the lonely are scooped up and become a family, where the hopeless find hope, where the homeless are housed. A moment when we as a church say we are gonna be wholehearted about the call you have in our lives. A moment of decision, because the truth is this, we have three choices to make. We can either give up, we can give in, or we can give it everything we've got wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.